Okay, here we go again. So I've just, I've just inquired of how long I've got, and I've been told I've got an hour and 15. Is that, you, is that what you said? That is almost what I said. Yeah, you said 15. Okay, so um, I'm, I'm going to crack straight into this. Uh, the theme being Jesus uh, is King. And I think, um, just, just before I put a picture up, um, look, when we read the Bible like that, I think because we just see the text in front of us and we try and absorb it, often what we do is, I think we filter out the drama of the moment. And I, I, what I think we need to get in our heads is this incredible moment that you can, you can concentrate on me, whether you're making your birth card, announcement cards or not, this incredible moment when Pilate and Jesus are effectively facing each other down. And when he says, you know, you say that I'm a king, he's basically saying, my kingdom is not of this world. Can you imagine what would be in Pilate's mind when he's saying that? The sheer authority of Jesus in front of a human emperor and realising that his kingdom is not of this world is an incredibly powerful moment. And I'm going to try and help you understand what that means. So cue this picture. Does anyone know what that is? It's not a cloud. It's called... I've actually, I've talked about this before at Redeemer King once about four years ago, so I've written the stats down. This is called the Pillars of Creation, and it was taken by the Hubble Telescope. It is, you've got, it's really big. It's six and a half thousand light years away. And this is only part of it. It's called... The actual mass is called the Eagle Nebula and it births stars. Now, the smallest pillar here is 40 trillion kilometres long. That, that's 40 trillion kilometres long. That's four light years. These little wispy bits, which you probably can't make out from here, but these, do you see this blurry bit here, these wispy bits? Can you make that out? Like there. Tiny little wispy bit. Our solar system would fit in the tiniest bit of blur at the top of one of these. Our whole solar system. In other words, what I'm trying to say is, this is massive. Like, this is incomprehensibly big. Huge. Our, our, solar, our entire, sorry, Milky Way galaxy is 100,000 light years across. In other words, this, which is four light years tall, would fit into our galaxy thousands of times. And yet our solar system is a t fits into a tiny bit just at the top. What this says to me, ladies and gentlemen, is that we are very small. But what also it says to me is that God is amazing. Like he made it. This thing, the Eagle Nebula that makes stars, doesn't even exist anymore. It's so far away, we're only picking up the images now because of the way light travels to us. 
So we're now picking up an image of something that doesn't even exist. Now, you're probably thinking, I thought I came to a church where we talk about Jesus. Well, let me try and explain this. I, let me make this as a declaration of faith. I believe that God made the heavens and the earth. 100%. I've no doubt about it at all. And he made that with incomprehensible power. And he made you. And he made me. And not only is he incomprehensibly powerful, he knows every single hair on your head. Or lack of. He knows every word on your tongue before you speak it. The Bible says in Psalm 139, he knows every single day of your life. And, and, and like every moment that will be. And he says that he knit you together in his mother's room. But more than that, this is what the Bible says about King Jesus. Because it says in Colossians that actually everything was made through Jesus. So get this. It says in Colossians 1, in verse 13, He rescued us from the domain of darkness, transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him, by him and through him. And he made you. And he sent his son Jesus to die. The one who made it all, he sent him to die for you because he loves you. He put you together and he reigns. 100%. He knows the beginning from the end. He's got your life in his hands. And if you put your faith, hope, life and trust in Christ, actually, it's going to work out all right. Even though life is a bit of a roller coaster ride. And it's tough. Bible college, I'm sure Hayden's already done this joke, but I'm going to do it again because I anticipate you might have said it because he's got this kind of humour. At Bible college, you have to learn about the last days. It's called eschatology. When I went to Bible college, being a Dagnum boy, and you had to do things like hermeneutics and homiletics, I thought they were things you got ointments for. But one of the things you had to do is eschatology. And you learn about postmillennialism and premillennialism and how's Jesus going to come back? I came to the conclusion as a Dagnum boy, I'm a pan-millennialist. Because it's going to pan out all right in the end. Everything's going to be okay. Because we've read the last page. And Jesus has got our lives in his hands. Let me, let me try and explain this. When we talk about heaven and Jesus' kingdom not being of this world, where do you look when you think of heaven? Why? Why, why do we do that? It's such a strange thing. Oh, I... I Look, if you keep looking up, six and a half thousand light years away, you might hit that. It's clearly not up. His kingdom is all around us. All the time. It might be like interdimensional to get a bit tricky. We might, you know, we like we can't just like step into it easily until we die. But it's all around us all the time. His kingdom's everywhere. And what we believers, if you believe in Christ, need to do today is understand that with all our hearts, that the kingdom of God is all around us. It might not feel like that when you're trying to get your kids up an escalator and they're getting tangled in the thing, or you know, you're trying to get them to do the craft activity and they're drawing all over their faces. 
Or you get up in the morning and you trip over the cat, which, by the way, cats always want to kill you because they hate you, basically. You might not think that the kingdom of God is all around you, but it is. We see it in each other. We see it in goodness around us and we see it ultimately in Christ. And actually, I think that is phenomenal. And I'm going to try and explain this in 10 minutes now. I, I am actually or was a proper reverend and everything. Not a proper Anglican one like Hayden. I was a Baptist minister for many years. And as such, one of the privileges that we get to do as leaders of churches is we get to check people in when they get born, we get to take care of people and their spiritual lives while they're alive, and then we check them out when they die. That's actually in a nutshell what we do. We're sort of masters of the conveyor belt of life. We check them in and we check them out. So consequently, I've done a lot of funerals. I've buried a lot of people, most of whom had died. <laughs> that's what we do for a living. Anyway, one particular time, I was asked to do a funeral for a humanist. A humanist not believing in God. And they said, what we want you to do is, we want you to do a nice service, but we don't want you to mention your faith. We just want you to talk about life. And I said, do you want to sing any songs? I mean, oh, this is an amazing song called Amazing Grace. <laughs> Can we sing that? I thought, happy days, that's brilliant. But I didn't know what to talk about. And I was quite stressed about it. This was many years ago. I had a dream, ladies and gentlemen. The Lord gave me a dream. And in this dream, I was a little kid. And I knew I was a little kid because I was wearing these abysmal stripy blue socks my mum used to put on me in this dream. And then in this dream, it went on and on and on. I met my wife and... I got a job, and I had a dog that died, and all that kind of stuff. I lived a life, I had a job, and then one minute I was looking in the mirror in this dream, and I could see an old man looking back at me. And I thought, oh, I think I'm about to die. And I woke up. This dream had gone on and on and on. Now, do you remember, or you do you remember, like, you have a dream, and it feels really vivid at the time. When you wake up, you're like, what was that? I'm sure I, I'm sure I had... The cure for cancer in my dream, and it's gone. <laughs> like that. It's really weird. They're so vivid, and it goes. But it was like that, and I was lying there in the early hours. I'm like, what's going on? And I said to God, are you trying to speak to me? And I felt the Lord say to me, try and remember the detail of the dream. And I couldn't. I think I was married to Karen, but I wasn't quite sure. <laughs> I could just remember the blue stripy socks. And I felt this little whisper from the Holy Spirit, this little whisper from heaven which said this, one day, son, you'll die. And then you'll wake up. And you'll really be alive. Because you'll be with me. And real life is yet to come. And that's what I told at the funeral. That this life is not it. The kingdom of God is around us it is now, but the fullness of it is not yet. So whilst I said, don't just look up to find heaven, the kingdom of God is around us, actually we should, metaphorically speaking, be living with our heads up, because Jesus is king, and he's got our lives in his hands. If you put your faith, hope, life and trust in him, it will work out alright in the end. The Bible says, Ecclesiastes 3.11, that God's placed eternity into our hearts. 
He didn't leave us floundering around. And here's the beautiful thing. This is what Pilate didn't understand. Right now, God is holding your life in his hands nanosecond by nanosecond. Hayden alluded to it when we were praying earlier. Your life is held in his hands moment by moment. You only breathe right now because of the sheer grace of God and the power of his kingdom. Remember that next time someone cuts you up in your car. It's true. Our lives are held together by the grace of God. If you wanted to stop the show, we could. We're just sitting here now because of his grace. It might not feel like everything's great sometimes, but actually our lives are a precious gift. And so we must seek to not only live our lives in a heavenly perspective, because God's got us, but try and live our lives to the fullest extent now. And I'm just going to finish by saying this. I'm trying to explain this very briefly in, in bullet points effectively. At age 18, I met Jesus. Uh, it's a long story, I'm not going to go into it. I wasn't looking for Jesus, but he comes looking for you. And he found me, and I, and I realised the message of Christ was true. And I sat on the edge of my bed the next day. My dad was a flying squad detective. He was a tough guy. And I met Jesus, and I was about to join the British Army. The next morning, the day after following Christ, I sat on the edge of my bed and I said to God, I'll follow you wherever you tell me to go. I'll do whatever you ask me to do, no matter what. The previous evening, I'd driven through Hornchurch in Essex, and previously where I saw people as targets, I was driving through Hornchurch and weeping, having met Christ 45 minutes earlier, I was just about stopped shaking. And I was looking at people, like you beautiful people, thinking, wow, these are God's kids. They don't even know. Beautiful, precious children that God's made, and they need to know. And everything in me just wanted to tell people, God made the world. I remember seeing colours for the first time. Not because I was colour blind, but I didn't notice that the leaves were green. I remember standing next to me, mate, going, look at that tree. He went, what? I went, the leaves are green. He went, I know. And I went, no, you don't know. They're green. Crying. Because God had taken a veil off my eyes. I saw the world that God had made for the first time. Seeing people. Thinking, well, these are, these are God's kids. I sat on the edge of my bed the next day. Oh, God, I'll follow you ever. And I went down to my dad, who was cooking bacon in a frying pan. And I said to my dad, I'm not joining the British Army anymore, Dad. Because I met Jesus last night. And I'm going to live for him instead. And fight battles for Jesus instead. To my dad... Flying squad detective, like something out of Sweeney. And he didn't even look up from the frying pan. He went, you still fancy girls, didn't you, son? That's the main thing. <laughs> and what he couldn't comprehend was that life just looks so different. And since that day, I've wanted to squeeze as much juice out of this amazing adventure called life as possible. And yes, there are ups and downs. And yes, life can hurt. And yes, it can be tough. But to lay your life down for Christ is to gain life. And I believe he's put you on this planet for a purpose. His kingdom is not of this world. He is the king. He's the one who slings stars into space with incomprehensible power. And get this, despite his power, he chooses to work through you. And actually, us at Edge, and here at Northampton, we're delighted and excited to be working together. But what a privilege it is 
that God would choose to use you. In the last two minutes, I'm going to show you one picture and explain it and leave you to think about it. I'm going to show you a guy called Father Damien. He's uh, younger than me there, actually. He lived from 1840 to 1889. This was taken about 18 months before he died. When he became a Catholic priest, um, back in the day, they used to put a death shroud over you. Because you said when you decided to serve Christ, you died to your life. Because real life is yet to come. So we lay down our lives. So Jesus said to me, if you lose your life, you'll gain it. If you lay your life down, you'll gain it. So he had a death shroud put on him and he said, I'm going to lay my life down. He decided to serve the poor. And so he went to Hawaii. He said, not the Hawaii that you all think of. He went to an island called Molokai, which is a leper colony. And as a young man, he, he decided he'd live the rest of his life out single, serving the lepers. And he bathed them and he, he cooked for them and he educated them. Invested his life into the poor. That's the heartbeat of Edge Ministries, actually. To lay our lives down and live amongst the poor and serve the most broken and hurting and wounded people. Well, he did that. He spent years doing it on his own, where no one else would go. His custom was that at the end of each day, he would bathe his feet in hot water. One day, he bathed his feet in hot water and he realised he couldn't feel the temperature of the water. Because that's what leprosy does. It kills your nerve receptors. That's why they get terrible injuries. And do you know what he said when he realised in that moment he contracted leprosy? He thanked God. We had a little session earlier, didn't we, thanking God for things. He thanked God, he said, finally I can lay my life down fully and be like the people I've come to serve. Finally, I'm one of them. How amazing is that? How, how do you get that perspective about your life? Because you realise it's King Jesus and he holds the heavens and the earths in his hands. And this life, isn't it? And actually, if you lay your life down, you'll gain it. Because one day we will die. Happy Sunday. You'll die. But then we'll open our eyes and we'll be alive again. And the Bible says there'll be no more weeping, mourning, crying or pain. Because the old have gone and the new has come. You'll be fully alive. If you put your faith, hope, life and trust in Jesus, you'll be fully alive. And my final word is this. One day we will kneel in front of Christ and he'll ask you what you did with everything he placed in your hands. And we'll look at him. And he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in. If you put your trust in Christ. But he'll also want to know what you did with what he placed in your hands. And that's why we created Edge. That's why I'm excited that we're working together because you have the same heartbeat. So let's use this amazing God-given opportunity, not just a partnership, but actually this gift of life. Follow King Jesus and keep looking up and live with a heavenly perspective and give everything we've got, everything God's placed in our hands to bless as many people as possible so that one day when we do die and we open our eyes and we're in heaven or wherever we find ourselves, we will look around and it won't just be us, it'll be our neighbours and our friends and that person who's struggling and and I'll be there, and I go, only me? And you go, how do you get in? I go, well, because of Christ. And how did you get in? Because you told me, and you took care of me, and you helped me. Whatever you do for the least of these, Jesus said, you do for me. Let's pray just quickly, and I'll hand over to Hayden. And Father, I pray. 
Help us to use everything you place in our hands to serve King Jesus and serve him well. Thank you, God, for this beautiful church here. Thank you that your spirit's resting on them. Thank you that we're in partnership together. But I pray, God, be pleased with what you see in our hearts. Help us to live fully for you. Help us not to be half-hearted Christians, but full-on followers of Christ. Give us your peace as we lay our lives down. We know we're not all called to be like this guy, Father Damien, but in our own way in our communities. Help us to shine for you. Help us have confidence and faith that you are King, Jesus, holding our lives in your hands. Nanosecond by nanosecond. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.